0: Welcome to The Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective, with your host, Joel Sedeckes.
1: And now, get ready to think. All right. Well, I am here with, well, here, kind of a relative term at this point, but I am with the great, the godly, the uh, the ever wise Dan Osborne for a very important conversation, and that conversation is around a topic that is incredibly relevant in our lives today. Mm -hmm. as we face an unprecedented level of closeness with our loved ones, with our families, for those of us who are parents, um, as we right now are confronted with a reality, the reality, that our children are with us 24 hours a day. Many of us have never experienced anything like this in our entire parenting life, and Along with the fact that our kids are home with us, at the same time, our churches are closed. Not in the the sense, I know some of you are thinking, well, the church is people. Yes, the church is people. But now we've got to learn what that means in an entirely different way. We've got to learn what it means for the church to be people. Specifically, we've got to learn what it means for our family to play the role of the church in a way that we've never had to do before so god has set up different spheres in society there's the government there's the family and there's the church and right now family and church are closer than they have ever been before and so what we want to talk about right now is how do we do church at home And how do we worship God together as a family in this time of unprecedented quarantine, social distancing, and uh, really being locked in? So um, Dan Osborne is, uh, if you don't know him, he's a gentleman and a scholar, and uh, (laughs) he is my pastor and good friend, and uh, the two of us are really going to unpack right now what does it mean to Worship at home, have church at home. How do we disciple our families? Especially with young children. And he's uh he just wrote a blog article about this today, but I think this is probably enough introduction from me. Um Dan, how are you doing, man? How's quarantine going? Uh
0: quarantine's going it's going. <laughs> it's going. Uh you know, I think what are we in day day five or oh dude? I, I, I don't count. even know what the count is. Yeah. But uh yeah, you know where we're, we're making it. Um, it's been really wild to see how, you know, I, I had an interesting experience today. So someone sent me an email and instead of responding via email, I called them and we ended up having a great conversation, you know, just, you know, 15, 20 minutes just to check in. And wow. uh, it was kind of like this really meaningful interaction that I, I guess I've been craving it more than I even realized. Uh, and I probably wouldn't have done that. wouldn't have made the phone call uh, if you know, if things if it was business as usual. And it was just like a re- really refreshing conversation. You know it's like good for my soul to talk with his brother. And uh, yeah, it was it, it was good. So I'm realizing, you know how much more those touch points actually mean to me uh, right now in this season. So and uh, yeah, you know, Joel, someone said something really interesting to me the other day. They said they check out. These videos that you and I do, because they're obsessed with your your fashion sense. Uh, <laughs> and oh. they love what like kind of pocket squares you're gonna wear, and <laughs> I feel like I never dress well enough.
1: I uh, man, I'm just trying to keep up with your level of classiness, Dan. You know this. That's all I'm ever trying to do, man. <laughs> That's my goal. My goal in my my fashionable life. Um, actually, what I'm wearing right now, not to be uh, too foppish and and talking about what I wear here, but um alisa uh, got this for me for our 10-year anniversary we we um she's not a big gift person doesn't really care about gifts she's more of the you know in the in the five love languages her love yeah. language is more like acts of service quality time mm-hmm. words of affirmation but um she knows that i i need uh a refreshed wardrobe and so we went out for our Ten-year anniversary. This was. Do you remember back to a time when you could actually leave your house and go to a hotel? Do you remember those days? Oh man, feels the like good old days. Yeah, feels like yeah. it was just two weeks ago. You know, <laughs> but we uh, we stayed in yeah. a hotel downtown, and then during one of the days, we um, we went out and did a little shopping. And uh, I won't tell you where I shopped, but it wasn't. Uh, it, but it, it, it rhymes with Smarshall's. and we got, got, um, got we got a, we got some clothes. And for me, and then, and then I actually, then we went out to the opera that night and I actually wore what we bought out to the Ooh. opera. So these are my, these are my opera
0: duds. So. You know, I, I went to the opera one time and I yeah. saw, I think the the play or the opera was uh, called Rusoltka. It's the story of the Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. It is super dark. I've heard that. Yeah. Like crazy twist ending Disney. Disney made it not depressing. Really? Uh, Cuz really everything everything is the same until I'll ruin it for you at the end where she doesn't get the man. They both end up in um a, a place of eternal damnation forever. And like they that's how it ends. What? Yeah, so Disney like flipped that just a little bit, huh? Uh yeah, a little bit. Why? Why do they end up in a place of eternal damnation? Why? uh this is i'm thinking back like three years now but sure. i think i think it was kind of a more of a commentary on uh you you can't just get whatever you want like there's consequences to j- like simply pursuing whatever you want to pursue was that written by germans originally who was that hans christian anderson who wrote that i think so
1: is he Czech? oh maybe he's Czech. well uh anyone anyway to, yeah if you If you know, if you know what, uh, first of all, who wrote that, and then what was his nationality? I'm just, I'm curious, because, you know, a lot of those European um, storytellers, man, I mean, you know, in America, we like our stories happy, and the good guy wins, but, you know, Europe has got this long, centuries-long history of plague, and invasion, and barbarians, and it's like, that's reflected in their kids' stories, I think. I don't know. It's just a theory that I have. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway. Yeah. I, on that note, on the, the note of beloved children's stories, speaking of kids, how's it been going with you? What's been the biggest challenge for you right now in terms of discipling your kids from home? And, and maybe we can use this as like a segue, because I, mm-hmm. I really do want to pick your brain on this. Um, what's been the biggest challenge for you, having your kids at home?
0: uh it's that they're always at home i think um you know it's it's right now it's i think the biggest barrier in general to doing something like family devotions or or family worship is just you're tired at the end of the day and you kind of just want to rush to that moment of get the kids to bed and then you get you know the remaining hour or whatever it is before you're too tired to do, you know, do anything else and turn in yourself. So I think it's because, you know, we're, we're putting out so much energy. It's just trying to entertain them and, you know, keep things moving during the day that when it comes time to when we would normally do, you know, our our family worship time, we're just exhausted. And that barrier is even bigger than I think it normally is uh, to to want to do something because we've just been doing something all day. You know what I mean? Oh,
1: yeah, definitely. Do you guys normally have a set time of day then when you would do family devotions, family worship?
0: Yeah, mhm. We have a set time of day. So when is that? We do it at at bedtime, and that's like that's the very formal. We'll sit down and we have a, a rhythm that we go through with we try and get all three kids going through that. Um, the two younger boys have a harder time sticking around for a while and it's not very long, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of formalized because we're we're building patterns. That's what we want to do is really, you know, build this, you know, we're talking about spiritual formation. And so it's just like the rhythm is what we're really teaching, uh, the kids right now of coming before the Lord every day. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you've heard this.
1: My mom told me when the kids were younger than they are now you're going to get you should expect an attention span in minutes of as many years old that they are so yeah for a 3 year old you're going to get about 3 minutes of of qua- you know of quality uh attention yeah. you know yeah. so you know 1 year old you know we've got a 2 year old mm-hmm. and um and I will say I mean our our 8 year old I mean he's we're going to talk about catechism and different stuff yeah. we do catechism in the morning Yeah, he's pretty dialed in and and we're actually able to really, you know, go for longer periods of time now. I mean, compare that to when he was little. Yeah. It was right. Right. We are measuring it in seconds. Yeah. So what's the biggest thing that folks need to understand that you really want people to understand or that that we should want people to understand about family worship and discipleship and and church from home?
0: Yeah. So. Let me kind of break down some of those categories because I think I think you just introduced three things that are all really important, but we you know may not be thinking the same thing when we're having these kinds of conversations. so uh, when when I talk about family worship or uh, when I'm talking about uh, family church, what I specifically have in mind is that time set aside in the evening when Courtney and I go through four different things with with our kids. So we go through, uh, we read a Bible story, we pray, we sing, and then we uh, we ask catechism questions. So we're, you know, just trying to do some theological formation with with the kids. Uh, so it's that time, about ten to fifteen minutes um, during the evening where we're, we're doing this very intentional, uh, set of, you know, four activities, praying, reading, singing, and asking, uh, discipleship, I think happens with, with our kids. It happens all day long. Right. And I, the, the kind of the pattern, uh, you see in Deuteronomy chapter six is where, you know, uh, parents, fathers are instructed to, um, you know, in, in their, uh, standing up, they're sitting down, they're going about the way really this all day kind of thing. They're talking about, the Lord, they're, they're doing, uh, spiritual formation, you know, all day long. So it's like, you know, when Evelyn looks up at the sky and, you know, said, you know, asks a question about the sun, you know, we'll say things like, you know, God made the sun and, you know, explain why that's, that's important to her, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think discipleship is the, the bigger category and family church or family worship is, uh, like a subsection of that category discipleship does that make sense
1: yeah 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 i i I think so um and in terms of you know having where where you guys are now you have a set time of day when you do this um Mm -hmm. you clearly have resources that you're using Mm -hmm. how did you get to this point dan where this was something that you knew you wanted to pursue and how did you get to that point because i know a lot of people watching are like man i'm I would love to be able to sit down and, and read a Bible story with my kids, let alone have like this big formal worship time. Was this something that you always knew you wanted to do? And how did you get there?
0: Uh, no, it's it's not something I always knew how to do. Courtney actually grew up with something a bit more structured. You know, my my uh, dad would often uh, pray with me as a kid. Um, and, you know, there was, there was some intentionality around that but uh, my, yeah, Courtney was really the one who talked about family devotions. I'd never really heard of anything formalized like that. Okay. Um, And so I I think it was about a year and a half ago, two years ago, Evelyn was, she's one, and we'd been doing things like reading the Jesus Storybook Bible to her, you know, as much as she can understand. Um, But we just started realizing, like, what is the, what is the, what are the rhythms that we want our kids to see, and what are the habits, the spiritual habits we want to start for them to start building? Hmm. And we know, I think that uh, you know, you and I would fully agree with this. As parents, we are not responsible for our children's salvation. Like we we cannot transform their lives. We cannot force them uh, to believe the gospel. Like God's grace is that he. Uh, sovereignly elects people unto salvation, and that includes our kids. Right. But what we do have a responsibility to do is to showcase the gospel to them. And I think there's a great privilege for children born in gospel-loving Christian homes that they get to see the gospel up close and personal, day in and day out. They get to see it in the marriage. They get to see it in the way that their parents love them. And there, I think there's a, there's a benefit uh, to to that. They get to, they, they're up in front row seat. To the gospel being lived out, uh, and as parents, we have a responsibility to uh, to demonstrate that to them. And I mean, you know, you you've heard this. I think you've said this before. For some of us, like the the greatest evangelistic opportunities we have uh, are the the with the people we're raising right now, right. And if if God tells us to love our neighbors, if God tells it like if we are called to go to the Ends of the earth with the Gospel, right? You think of the great commission passages. How much more does that apply to the to the you know three little kids in my home right now?
1: Yeah, dude. The mission field
0: begins within the four walls of the home. It doesn't end there. Certainly right. doesn't end there right. but it's that's not excluded that like discipleship needs to be happening in the home
1: yeah, 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 yeah. and is is this something that you and Courtney have always kind of been on the same? Page about. I know it sounds like her upbringing was a little bit different, but when you started having kids, what was that conversation like? I
0: think, I mean, I think, y- yeah, it's, it wasn't something either of us were opposed to. I know that's not everyone's situation, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's a lot of families where it's one of the parents is a believer, the other one isn't. Um, and so somebody has to take the lead on it. But in, in our situation, I think. Intuitively, as Christian parents, we know this is some this is something we we should be doing. It was more a matter of like I just didn't know how. Right. I didn't know where to begin. So where'd you look? Where'd you look? You know, honestly, I started uh, Amazon. I started yeah? like searching for books on family worship, family church stuff like that. I stumbled upon a great resource last year uh, called Family Worship by Don Whitney. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it. Phenomenal. I never read it. Yeah. Do you about, recommend it? Oh, yeah. I, in fact, last year I said it was, uh, you know, I usually post or share about like the most important books I've read all year. That was number two. Yeah, it's it's an incredible book. i uh, definitely check it out. But so, so I read read his book and there he references several other things. But what I realized is... Um, at this point in history where you know family worship is kind of a you know it's uh maybe not something many of us have experienced or, or heard way too much about this is the minority in christian history you know okay. you start you start seeing like how important this has been emphasized throughout oh, yeah. throughout christian like going all the way back to you know uh the church fathers they're, they're talking about family worship in fact you know we read through uh You know, I was reading through the parts of the Westminster Catechism, and you can see in the preface there, uh, I think this is the, uh, what year was that written? 16 something. 1646. Yeah, yeah, something like that. If if you read the introduction, the whole thing is about family worship. Huh. Really? and the authors in 1650 are bemoaning the wicked age that mm. they're living in at that point, right? And right, right. Like we need to to teach our families how who God is, what it means to serve and worship Him. In fact, uh, in in that Christian tradition, family fathers could be barred from communion if they were found to not be doing the daily discipline of family worship. Like so that. That's some ideas from that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the, the fact that I may be a little bit more cavalier about it, you know, maybe there's something I'm missing. You know what I mean? So yeah. throughout history, people have taken this very, very seriously. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just wild to see some of that stuff. What are we missing today, Dan? What? Why don't we take that
1: as seriously as they took it 100 years after the Reformation?
0: I think there's a I think there's a lot of reasons that I'll converge for that you know part of it is the uh, I think the modern church is very segmented so that we have um I'm not saying everybody views it this way but it's kind of set up where you have uh there's a pastor and he deals primarily with the with the adults there's a youth pastor and he deals with the you know middle schoolers high schoolers mm mm-hmm children's director children's pastor they're taking care of the um of the kids and i think there's a shift somewhere that's taken place where we view spiritual formation primarily as the role of church leaders Mm. not the family yeah i think that i think that's one piece of it and i mean you just see that play out in in local churches right and you know here we we have a youth pastor. We have a children's ministry director. They're fin- they do a great job at what they're doing. Uh, but if you sit down and talk to them, none, neither of them would say, "My role is like my job is to disciple your kids." No, my job is to help you disciple your kids.
1: Which which does seem pretty uh, against the grain in terms of the expectation. Yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Most people's expectation is, even if it's an implicit one, right? Like even if it's an unstated expectation, I think a lot of people do have this idea, a lot of parents that if you're going to be bring, you know, you're bringing your kid to youth group once a week, you're bringing them to Sunday school. yeah, You're, you, you know, they're going to a WANA maybe and, and whatever else. I mean, they should be good. Like that's, that's, they should be getting discipled through that. And um, what I'm, what I'm curious to know is as you've thought through this, I would do I would love for us to be able to discuss resources but what if we I mean if we start from scripture mm-hmm. what are those biblical passages that would cuz we've got to draw we've got to derive oh, yeah. our doctrine of family worship from scripture yep. what are those passages yeah that that yeah. would that would you'd say yeah this shows that it's required of moms
0: and dads well let me let me just let me get to a new testament command first and then we'll see where that command has been lived out through the entirety of Scripture. Okay. So um, let me pull up first uh, real quick here. Ephesians 6. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I mean, it's a command. Yeah. Fathers, do not be passive in this, dads, uh, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of of the Lord, right? And it, it, he doesn't say, like, if they're already Christians. He doesn't say if they've already made a profession of faith and are now baptized believers. No, I mean, it, this is this is what Christian parents, uh, fathers specifically, Paul calls out, uh, this is what we do with our kids. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the clearest places in the New Testament where you see that command. Mm. But that's 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 coming on, you know, a whole deeper foundation in, in the Old Testament. I think, uh, you know, I, you know, you and I probably both go first to Deuteronomy six. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy six is a, is a foundational passage for family worship. Let me just read some of this. It's Deuteronomy six four uh, through nine. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, my, uh, and all your. My, sorry, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Mm-hmm. You shall walk, you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on doorposts uh, in your house and on the gates. And then he goes down in you know at the very end of Deuteronomy chapter 6, Uh, And and basically says, the reason you're going to do this is because your kids are going to start asking you questions about these laws that I've given you, and you need to give them an answer for this. And uh, the the answer that he said, he says, look, you need to tell them, this is what our God has done for us. This is who our God is. This is why we serve him, because he has delivered us.
1: So this would be one of those principles that you do see carried over, even if it's recontextualized from the Old Testament into the New Testament.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Psalm, 78's um, Psalm seventy-eight is another uh, important passage. That's it. Psalm seventy-eight is. Let me pull it up real quick. This is. Uh,
1: As you're pulling that up, yeah. One of my, uh, one of the uh, the pastors that I've had, actually, I think he's the only other guest that I've ever had come twice on the. Think podcast other than yourself, but that's Doug Wilson, who's a pastor oh. out in in Moscow, Idaho. So you're you're in uh, you're in his company, Dan. So, <laughs> wow, uh, yeah. So uh, one of the things that he talks about is in in that Ephesians passage, Ephesians mm-hmm. chapter six, verse four. The word that Paul uses, he says, you know, fathers bring up your children in the paideia of mm-hmm. of the Lord, the paideia. And that word paideia had a a special meaning. It was a culturally rich term in the ancient Greco-Roman world. And it meant training for citizenship, for Roman citizenship, for training to be a productive, good Mm -hmm. Roman. And Paul is appropriating that word and transferring it from the kingdom of Rome to the kingdom of the Lord. And so when he says, bring them up in the Paideia of the Lord, he's saying, train your kids to be good citizens of the new Jerusalem, not Rome and not the old Jerusalem, but the city of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. And so that's a, uh, you could see how Paul's instruction, even in that little verse, and I fully agree with you, he's drawing, he's continuing a, Mm-hmm. trend a uh, theme throughout scripture um, yeah. that goes all the way back to the old covenant, but you could see how the church picked that up and ran with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is how we got the excellent universities, all the, you know, Oxford's and Cambridge's and Harvard's um, that were started by Christians and really for Christians originally, because, you know, many of them were seminaries. Um, but this idea of, of education, Mm-hmm. was inextricably bound up with the idea of training young students to be good citizens of of Christian civilization, a Christian cosmos, you know, a Christian world. Mm-hmm. and uh, i I have to say, I think it's drawing back on what we talked about earlier, it's probably something that we as parents really don't think enough about and really don't take seriously enough when we do think about it. I don't know I don't know your thoughts on that.
0: I, I mean, I I think it's a a privilege to. Let me back up here, and I, this will connect to Psalm seventy-eight okay. and Deuteronomy six, because uh, I I do think I do think Paul often you know takes I like culturally relevant ideas uh, for the time and shows how they are profoundly biblical. Totally right. They have a a root in what God has been teaching and instructing His people yeah. uh, throughout history, but. Um, you look at Psalm 78, for example, uh, and I think 17 times, maybe 14 times. I, for, I forget the exact count off the top of my head. But he regularly says, look at, like, l- recount what God has done for the next generation. Pass on to the next generation, right? Uh, verse 5. Uh, He established a testimony. Jacob appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, that the children yet unborn uh, and arise and tell them to their children Hmm. so that they should set their hope on God and not forget the works of God. Right. So to tie that to what you were just saying, our job as Christian parents is to teach our kids to marvel at the goodness and grandeur of god amen like we evoke within them it like we're we're stirring up an amazement at what god has has done what he is doing right now uh, and i think that happens not just in you know the 10 minutes you sit down and read a bible story with them that's also happening all day long right yeah. in, in, in little interactions that we have with them but we're teaching yeah, them sorry
1: yeah especially now that we've got them home all day we have you know it's like if you missed it five minutes ago that's okay though they're still gonna be there in a half an hour right they're not right. going anywhere right now right
0: right and, and um, I'll say this my wife is awesome at that like she's she is way better at finding those little moments than I am uh, and yeah I think we talked about this last time she does a great job getting down on Evelyn's level making eye contact and helping her connect the the dots uh she my wife's a rock star at this. I learn a ton from just watching her do this. That's epic, man. Yeah,
1: that's 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 really cool. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And I love too looking at Psalm seventy-eight. You're right. It it's it's um it's written. It's not written by David. It's actually written by Asaph. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the CSB, the the um the title, which is not inspired, but the title is "Lessons from Israel's Past," and he's. He's, he's on the one hand, he's giving a history of Israel. On the other hand, he's encouraging his readers to recount the history of Israel. And, you know, I got my BA in history. I love history Mm -hmm. and I love the idea of recounting history, studying history, teaching history from a redemptive historical perspective. You know, I know that this side of the new Testament, you can't infallibly say, or authoritatively say, this is what God was doing through this world event. This is what God did through the great black plague. This is what God did through world war one. You can't authoritatively say that. Sure, sure. But we look at passages like Psalm 78 and we can see clearly God does use history to teach us. Mm -hmm. And I, it's been on my mind a lot lately as we've all been quarantined due to coronavirus and and that is god is doing something with this Mm -hmm. it just seems so obvious and i'm catching you know glimpses of it and snippets of it here and there but i'm very much looking forward to how is the church going to learn from this and how will we tell this story to our grandkids, how will our grandkids tell it to their grandkids? Here's what God yeah. did in 2020, over the the quarantine that lasted this many yeah. months, or who knows how long. Yeah. You know, this is what God did, and we can look at Psalm 78, I think, for validation of that yeah. idea that God does want us to recall and recount what He's done in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you um do you have any other passages that that you would say really speak to this idea of, you know? training up our kids, catechizing our kids. Uh, I mean, that's three. I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but
0: yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's, um, you, you see this all over the place in this, particularly in the Psalms.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, let me think of a passage real quick. Um, particularly in the Psalms, you see it, you see it, uh, pretty often. Hmm. And, Proverbs twenty two six yeah, right, train, yeah. Uh, train up a child in the way he should go uh, and even when he's old he will not depart from it yeah. and you know we we know that that doesn't mean we teach them about the gospel and that therefore they will inevitably become a Christian right um, but there is this training component that that uh, you see in the proverbs um, but you know I wrote down a couple that are helpful just talking about passing on your faith to the next generation Psalm twenty two. Uh, psalm 45 mm. psalm 145 one generation will tell the next of his wondrous deeds yeah right it's, it's it, when you start looking for it you're, you're going to see it everywhere mm. uh and you're going to see that pattern everywhere and and i think you even find it in places like you know again uh matthew 28 19 if it applies to the ends of the earth it applies to your it applies to your front room mm. right yeah so yeah yeah um
1: and uh, you know, I was watching this video. There's a, there's an organization I really appreciate a lot. They're called it's called Sovereign Nations, and the founder of this organization, his name is Michael O'Fallon, and I was watching a talk by him recently, and he he was making the point that from the time of the Reformation over the last five hundred and some change, five hundred years and some change, if Christians had dropped all evangelism. And only discipled their own children, and done so successfully, the church would be in, uh, very uh, would be much greater even than it is today. Obviously, you and I would never advocate for the ending of evangelism and yeah. and you know spreading the gospel outside the four walls of the church and outside the four walls of the home. But if Christian parents. Really began to see their own kids as their mission field, not assuming that they're saved because they've got Christian parents and not just hoping that they'll catch it by osmosis or something, Mm -hmm. but really actually evangelizing through family worship, teaching them, you know, teaching them to be a disciple even before they've made a commitment to Christ. Can you just imagine, Dan, even imagine what would happen at Park Forest Glen at our church? You know what I'm saying, and that's I'm not throwing I'm not throwing any of the any of our folks under the bus whatsoever, right? Because right, I'm right. because I'm right there with them. But just imagine if we were that committed to yeah. evangelizing and discipling
0: our own kids. I mean, it'd be it'd be unbelievable. Yeah, Lifeway did. Uh, they came out with some statistics recently that were pretty sobering. Um, they found that about fifty percent of kids who've grown up in a Christian home or only 50% of kids who grow up in a Christian home end up identifying or practicing that faith when they're older.
1: Jeez,
0: really? Um, the the guy who, Scott McConnell, who's the executive director of Lifeway, uh, said uh, Christians, uh, church-going parents want to pass down their faith to their kids. They see that uh, and see their children take their faith and make it their own, but they don't always know the best way mm. to make that happen. Yeah. And that's where I think something a bit more formalized just becomes very helpful uh in in uh in family worship. The the key here Joel is you have to visualize you know what what do you want your kids to say about the way you raise them 50 years mm-hmm. from now. I had a really interesting conversation with uh my father-in-law and he was he was telling me about uh, his his dad. So my wife's grandpa mm-hmm. was a pastor. Both of her her grandpas were pastors. Uh, but on her dad's side, her dad was telling me about the last conversation he had with him before he he died. Um, and he ended up just quoting First Timothy to to his dad, saying, "Well done, you mm-hmm. you fought the good fight. Like you persisted and persevered." And you know this this guy who had you know two wives. Die of breast cancer, but one in a car crash, like just a very painful life filled with suffering, stayed faithful to the very end, right? Wow. And I thought to myself, what what kind of life did he live where his oldest son, who lived through all of that, had a front row seat to it? What kind of faith did he live out
2: mm.
0: where at the end of his life, his kids got uh, gathered around him and said, Dad, you were an example to us of a persevering faith. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
1: That's incredible, man. Then I
0: start thinking, like, would my kids say that about me? That's what family worship is about.
1: So in light of that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what are what are some of the for for those who are watching right now who are like you know what just tell me what to do yes yeah. <laughs> i don't want to you know you've hunted yeah. on amazon you've hunt you've you've read all the yeah. gospel coalition blogs about this just yeah. who where do i start prescribe something give me a curriculum right now how long should it be yeah. mm-hmm. where do we start in the bible is there a book is there a yeah. podcast or a video what do we do what do we use help us
0: out yeah no it's a it's a great question and We've got to just get really practical in this stuff. So if it feels too formal, you you almost just have to embrace that a little bit. And I'll say, you know, I have young kids. So Evelyn is, she'll be four in May. And Malik will be two in May. uh, And our foster son will be two in October. Um, So we we have really young kids. Mm -hmm. So let me speak first to... uh, Parents with really young kids, you might be thinking, like, I have, I have a three-month-old. Is it even worth starting this early? The end. yes, yeah, it is because it's not just about what they're getting out of it; it's about what you're getting out of it too. Totally. It's building that habit early on. So here's what we do: we have hand motions that go with all of this. Evelyn loves it; she she's kind of soaks it in. So we, uh, the first thing we do is we read. You know, we hold our hands out like this. We read, we pray, mm-hmm. uh, we sing. And then we ask. So four things. Okay. Read, pray, sing, ask. And for our family, we go through the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, that's age appropriate uh Bible for for Evelyn. Malachi is still, you know, he's still just kind of sitting through it. But again, for his age, we're just getting him in the rhythms for it. Um, so we're just reading one story at a time. And and Evelyn will sit there the entire time. We read through the story. Malachi will get him sit from maybe he just started sitting through the story. Um, and so then, you know, once we read through the story, I'll, I may ask a couple of questions uh, and, or Courtney will ask questions. And sometimes Evelyn's tracking with it. Sometimes the kids follow along. Other times they don't. I'll give you an example. We read through the uh, Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, story of communion where Jesus, the last supper, Jesus breaks the bread. Uh, he's holding this big loaf of bread in there and, uh, the night we read that for the first time to her, Evelyn woke up screaming at 2 a.m. And, uh, you know, it came to her room, and, and she was just just weeping. And she said, Daddy, I don't know why, but Jesus doesn't want his burrito. He wants to give his burrito away to other people. And she's remembering that picture of Jesus holding the bread and not eating it and giving it away. So, you know, sometimes the story will go right over their head. Uh, but the the point is that you're getting in that discipline of doing this regularly. Yes. Yes, it's what four minutes to read through the story. Yeah, and then we pray, and for a long time, I, we just model for Evelyn what it means to pray, what it looks like. And so we've started—you know—we try to be pretty formulaic, you know, early on, mm-hmm. so that she's picking up on things. So, for us, we start, God, thank you for today, and then we list like two or three things that we're thankful for, and we pray for our friends who don't, who don't know Jesus. Hmm. Love it, man. It's very, very simple like that with with praying. And we, we've just started inviting Evelyn to be the one who prays because now she's starting to get it that this is a serious moment. Sometimes she's running around, and we try and redirect her and say, no, when we talk to God, this is this is important. This is really serious. It's not a time for us to be silly.
2: Yeah, We
0: don't shame her with, with any of the things like that. But to mm-hmm. you know, try and let her know that this is a very serious moment. Um, and then we do, we, we sing some songs. So... You know, we pick out for us. We actually have done some hymns, uh, and we just sing the the maybe the chorus. Uh, you know, um, there's a song we've been doing recently, uh, and now I'm blanking on it. His mercy is more, hmm. and Evelyn loves the loves the loves the chorus there. Praise the Lord, uh, His mercy is more stronger than darkness. New every morn, um, that's the that's part of the chorus. And yeah. We, we'll just sing a few choruses together. Again, takes about two minutes. The last piece that we do is the catechism questions. And uh, what we have used, because we've been doing this for a while now, is we've used the New City Catechism. Mm-hmm. And I, there's other ones out there that we'll get to in a minute. But Are there? <laughs> the reason we do the New City Catechism is because they have... Uh, songs that go along with each of the questions. Yes. and for how young our kids are, those songs really help us get in you know help them get rooted in the uh, in in the questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so we we'll spend about a week teaching, we're singing through a new question, uh, and then you know we rehearse the old ones, we sing the songs together. we're I mean we're maybe ten, fifteen questions in. okay, that, but you know, as a two and a half year old, Evelyn is able to articulate, uh, there are three persons in one God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Or, uh, you know, this is an important one. You know, the the question is, how and why did God create us? I think it's number three. Um, And then she'll respond, God created us male and female in his own image to glorify him. Yes. How important is it now that we're able to teach our kids that God has created them male and female, and it is a good thing.
1: Mhm. That's
0: right. right. Yep. Both
1: in God's image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, each one distinct from the the other. And dude, I so my kids are a few years older than yours, a few years um ahead of yours and you know, this past June all of the rainbow flags were up, the pride flags were up and um we we got to have these conversations. I mean, it's it's on una, it's unavoidable, it's inescapable. And Since they were very, very little, we've been saying, you know, what were Adam and Eve like when God made them? Happy and holy, male and female in God's image, in his image. So very similar to what you just said. And they have it ingrained in their head. They've been indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm perfectly fine saying that because that means I put the doctrine of scripture into their minds to know man and woman are the, 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 um, the inscrutable, no, the in irreducible humanity is irreducibly gendered. They wouldn't say that, uh, you know, but that's yeah. what it means to be human. And yep. so we got to have conversations about some of the the other ideas that are out there mm-hmm. and, and how to interact with people who hold those ideas in a loving, but biblically firm and uncompromising way. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. And, and I just, was mindful of the fact that we've been ingraining this in them through catechesis since they were very, very little. So it mm-hmm. does it does begin to show dividends, even a, a few years from now, as yeah. they're asking those big questions. Yeah. So just the four pieces, pray, read, yeah. sing, ask. Love it. I love it. You know, one of the cool things about singing those hymns, too, the the older hymns, is... So we've got two boys and two girls, and Alisa is... As you know, very talented musically. She's great,
0: yeah, great singer.
1: Yeah, and so I'll do the like the melody, and she'll do the harmony, and we'll tell the boys, okay, you know, the the boys are going to sing this part. This is the boy part. If you want, you know, this is what we men sing, and then she'll sing the the girl part with the girls, and it's cool for the boys because you know you're talking about being male and female. Those old hymns have parts that are you know the higher parts are primarily for the women and the lower parts are mm-hmm. primarily for the men so we actually get to express our gendered nature in our worship to god and the boys love singing the song you know the song and can it be
0: yeah and can I it be that,
1: yeah. the part where we go um the oh my god should die for me that yeah. they love singing that part that's the man <laughs> part you know it's it's great. It's like, this is what men sing. This is, and so we're praising God, but we're also teaching them how to be men, young men of God. And young men sing their hearts out to the Lord. Young women sing beautifully, just like mommy, to the Lord. You know? Mm-hmm. So there's such, I can't really think of another context in which they would learn all those truths and participate in something that meaningful other than family home
0: worship. Yeah. And, you you know, so I want to go back to that uh, statistic that Lifeway Research found 50% of children end up not identifying with the faith of their parents uh, if they grew up in a Christian home. Uh, The other part of that study is they looked at all the people who basically would say today, yes, I am a follower of Jesus and my my faith matters to the way that I live. I think it was something like 98% of them uh, had homes where family worship was a regular part of it.
1: Wow! Really?
0: Yeah, I can I can share the article, you know, in the underneath this. Yeah, would be cool. uh, conversation. But it's I mean, it is a phenomenally important important aspect to to our own faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. and passing on passing on our faith. So I mean, the other thing I would do is. I, I, I I would commend this to, to to parents regardless of where their kids are at. You know, it this is doable. This is not like you do not need to be a biblical scholar. You do not need to be a pastor to do this, right? Um, at all. So you, I mean, parents, if you're watching this, like you you can do this, and it doesn't have it doesn't have to take in you know thirty minutes of the evening. It mm-hmm. can be. 10 minutes before the kids go to bed. Uh, The point is that we're making this more of a regular rhythm and you'll get to the place where kids will look forward to it. Yeah. That's the crazy thing too. And, you know, I don't know about
1: you, but I'm not above bribing my kids with candy toys. When Jacob, um, I I can talk about, you know, what we do in our home in, in a few minutes, but when Jacob was very little, he was the only one that I was doing catechism with. Mm-hmm. because you know Anna Sophia was too little but what we would do is we would when he would answer a new question or or get to a new section we'd bribe him with toys and my parents his grandparents mm-hmm. stepped up big and they got him this long tube of animal toys he was you know maybe 3 or 4 and mm-hmm. these little you know really just little chintzy plastic animals um, there were however many in there, you know, a hundred of these things in there and there's a hundred questions in my catechism. And when he would learn a new question and master it, he would get one of these little toys. And that was sort of a tangible way of showing him there's a benefit to this. Now mm-hmm. for now, the benefit, the only benefit, you know, is that you get a little chintzy little toy and you think it's yeah. super cool to get a little, you know, goat or, or giraffe or, or what have you a little shark, but he's associating He's learning to appreciate the fact that learning a new bit of God's truth comes with a benefit. And mm-hmm. as he's grown older, we've been able to, to change that. I was I will still do candy with the kids, things like that. But um, but we don't have to do it every time. Yeah. You know, and now they now that they're interacting with other big questions and mm-hmm. they're starting to think through their own faith themselves. I will actually see them referring back to what they know from the catechism without even me prompting them. And so now, whether or not they're connecting these dots yet, they're starting to see the benefits themselves in the real world of having learned all these catechism questions. Oh, I have this question. It seems unanswerable, but I know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know that God is one and God is three. Mm -hmm. Okay, that answers my question about, you know, that I was just wondering about God. Mm -hmm. So there's there is benefits to it, but I'm not yeah I'm not above bribing my my young children.
0: Yeah, and it's it I mean I, imagine it it changes depending on the the temperaments of your kids what works with them. There's I don't think there's a you know hard and fast prescribed rule you have to do it this way. Um, but yeah, I mean you you find those those kinds of rhythms and ultimately it's a long game kind of thing, right? Where we are waiting for you. You're helping them frame their, you know, their worldview long term, and you never know when they're going to draw back on the things that they're learning in here. I was just reading. Um, this is. <laughs> uh, you, have you read the book The Count of Monte Cristo? Years ago, yes. Years ago, yeah. I think, there's. I think we just watched the movie last night, and I was listening to some of it uh, recently. Uh, the uh, going back to. Uh, listen through the audiobook book. This is a phenomenal story. But uh, when he is in prison, he he says something to the effect of it is in h- hardship and suffering that God reveals himself to us in, in very specific ways. And those prayers my mom taught me as a kid, which they they were that the ideas were too sublime for me to understand then came back in a powerful reality in suffering and hardship. Uh, and wow. I think that's true, yeah, I mean, that's that is a beautiful biblical, spiritual truth, yeah uh, that that we are instilling uh, wonder, the wonder of our God, mm-hmm. like depositing it into our kids that they may draw from it fifteen years from now,
1: yeah, 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 Dan, what would be some obstacles and pitfalls to watch out for? What would be some things to avoid
2: mm-hmm.
1: as? Moms and dads watching this are thinking about doing family worship, catechizing their kids. What are some of those things they need to avoid?
0: Uh, the first thing you you need to avoid is you know watch out for the wrong motivation of doing this. Um, you I, I mean I cannot over overstate this and I know you'd say the same thing is that we, we cannot save our children. Yeah and we're not just after we're not just after right answers to questions yeah that that's not what brings our kids to uh saving relationship with Christ um and so you know you, we've got to go into any kind of spiritual uh, or um family church family worship knowing that we we cannot do that and you know there there are many many godly parents who right now they they have children who are not believers and that doesn't therefore mean that they have failed that they did everything wrong
2: right
0: right and so i think i think that's the first pitfall uh the second thing you really want to watch out for is um uh i have this uh we we just want to watch out for like behavior modification because that's that's not that's not the gospel. How so? Um, well, we're not we're not the goal of family worship is not just to change our kids' behavior, right? the 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 fuller right. aim is is ultimately uh, not just you know physical change but heart change. That's that's what we want to see come out of it, and so it takes you know in some ways. Uh, it takes more than just reading a Bible story every night. It's then applying what you're reading and living it out before them,
1: mm. yeah,
0: yeah, that's good, man. So you and- won't be able to accomplish all that in just just one moment every day, yeah, right? but it it takes you living it out. And know that you're gonna you're not gonna do it perfectly. you're You are not gonna do it perfectly. In fact, if you're thinking right now, yes, we should start this. Uh, you're probably not going to hit, you know, seven days in a row. <laughs> right. we, we don't,
2: right. we
0: don't like, I still get to that place where I'm, you know, it's, you know, seven ten. the kids were supposed to be in bed already. And I'm like, mm-hmm. skip it, skip it for tonight.
1: You yeah. know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, it happens. So, so time of day, you do it at night. I We do it at night before okay. bed. Okay. Before bed. You know, we do ours in the morning and um, we actually do ours at breakfast and at, at breakfast, i'll say actually at 8 30 so usually they're wrapping up breakfast at that time and i know everybody's schedule is different but you know with us now we homeschool so we we don't have to race the kids out the door but 8 30 i'll say okay it's time for catechism and bible i'll go get my copy of the catechism actually it's usually one of the kids copies bring it in bring my bible in we'll do one of our catechism questions first we pray we do a catechism question we um then I'll, I'll use one of the proof texts that are there and, and open it up and read that pas- passage of scripture and then explain what it means. So give like a mm-hmm. little, I mean, just not, sermon is the wrong word. Lesson is the wrong word. Short explanation, you know, yeah. because we got four kids that just ate breakfast. They're captive for now, but they're not going to stay captive for long. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and we got to get on with their day. So I'll give them a little explanation. And the cool thing is two out of three times they will have a question. Mm-hmm. One out of those two times, the question is related to what we actually just talked about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It it might be directly related. Another time it's, you know, the other time it's usually related to something having to do with the Bible catechism or what have you. But and then we'll close out in prayer and ask God to help us live that out. Yeah. Sometimes I'll ask him a question: how do we live this out? But it's it's um it's a way of doing what you actually talked about in one of your sermons a few weeks back while we were still meeting in Romans eight, when you, you talked about this must've been back in February, but uh, setting your mind on the um, mm-hmm. setting your mind on the spirit, the mindset of the spirit mm-hmm. and how that is not approaching your Bible and expecting to get something mind blowing and earth shattering and life changing every time, but you're taking in a little bit at a time going mm-hmm. as deep as you can, even if it's over a short period of time, but over time, it grows yeah, over time. And so that's what, that's what we're trying to do in the morning in the case yeah. household is make little deposits over time to shape yeah. their worldview so that when they are uh, confronted with anti theistic, naturalistic evolutionism or uh, you know, the Jehovah's witness missionaries come into the door or the, you know, hyper woke critical theory um, apologist uh, you know, sounding biblical but something seems off they have the ability to navigate through that because they have a their feet firmly planted on
0: god's truth in god's word Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and we've dialogued about it good you know there's uh you you may have heard this before um the story of a uh the older christian uh talking about um sermons that he had listened, and, you know, he was trying to make the point that sermons really aren't that important, um, just read your Bible, that kind of thing, and, and he said, look, I've, I've not, I, I can only remember a handful, a small handful of sermons, the point of sermons, you know, for my entire Christian life, so how can they be that important, uh, and the person responding to him said, I'm sure you can say the same thing about your, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the remember your memory about the all the meals you've ever eaten in your entire life, but you right. can be sure that you know you have eaten every day your entire life, yeah. right? So there's this. We may not remember everything that we get out of these moments doing this, but when our kids are older, you can be sure that they they will know they have eaten, feasted on God's word as a family, uh, for that. Like it will yeah. ha- have some effect on them.
1: So. Good, man. That's good. Where where can folks go right now if they want to take that next step or maybe even the first step in discipling their kids, doing family worship? Because certainly there's married couples who are watching who don't have kids, and maybe mm-hmm. you could say don't have kids yet. Um, or or there's, you know, there's single folks who could be watching this, but they want to take their personal study and their their worship of God to the next level. Where what website can people go to right now? What books should they be purchasing, ordering on Amazon? What help them take that next step?
0: So, let me, yeah, let me give a couple answers depending on where where people are are at. If you have older kids, well, let me start early on. Um, if if you don't have kids yet or uh, are are single, one, go back to the scriptures. Read Deuteronomy six in its entirety. Read Psalm seventy eight. In Ephesians 6 like just just see the the shell of where this is rooted in Scripture and you need to start from a place of being convinced that these that this really is a biblical practice for us um, to start there if you want to get books uh, I'd, I'd say that that book on family worship Donald Whitney by Donald Whitney buy that on Amazon again it was one of the most famous uh, Found you know formative books I've read in years, and it's only about 50 pages. You you'll get through it in an, in an hour, uh, and yet you'll come back to it often. At at Forest Glen, if you have dedicated your your kids recently, you know you know I don't give away the Jesus Storybook Bible anymore. I give away that uh, family worship book because it is just incredibly important uh, to learn how to do that. And you'll find you know a ton of. Uh, you know, a lot more biblical examples than we talked about in that, the family worship by Donald Whitney. Uh, and if you have younger kids, I would, I would recommend this is Joel. You might uh, scoff at this. I'd recommend the um, new city catechism because of the song ha! <laughs> <Sorry>. scoff. Yeah. <laughs> um, because of the songs that was helpful for our kids, being able to put the answers to, to memory. Totally. Older kids. The uh, catechids on Amazon by uh, Joel Settakase.
1: Yeah, um, well, as soon as I asked you that question of where they can go, I I put uh, the uh, the scrolling banner on the bottom. Get catechids to help you disciple your kids. Um, <laughs> little uh, little little plug there. Um, really, I mean, it, it's a phenomenal resource. Th- thanks, man, and you know, I know. Really- it is a long-term project of mine to turn that into more of a curriculum and, and devotional, um, not so that I can take up more parents' time with it, but really to give them an easier time explaining it. And, you know, at some if I, if I was more savvy in these sorts of things, creating a musical album would be really, really good. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of Dana Dirksen? No. So Dana Dirksen is a singer who she sings like biblically based songs, but she has a series of albums that are based on, I believe it's the first catechism. I think is what it's called hmm. first catechism. I could be wrong, but it's, it's sort of like a um, kind of like a reformed catechism. Okay. Um, but the music is amazing. The songs, Dan, the songs are fun They're theologically rich. They are catchy. Mm -hmm. And our kids have learned so much theology driving around in the van, listening to Dana Dirksen. For whom did Christ die? There's the question, right? For whom did Christ die? Limited atonement or universal? And she just goes, right? She goes, Christ died for all who were given to him by the Father. For whom? And it's like our kids will never now, are they going to wrestle with that question later on? Of course,, yeah. but they will never there will never be a time when they could say "I was not taught that mm-hmm. because they've been they've been hearing and and obviously not everything is you know super controversial, like this the extent of the atonement a lot of um a lot of it's just uh you know the Trinity, which is complicated in and of itself, but they need to know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. They need to know that everybody is a sinner. And anyway, I was inspired in writing my catechism and revising it, I was inspired by Dana Dirksen in how simple and, and catchy she makes things. So that would be a recommendation I would I would add to that list w- uh, that you just recommended, which, yeah,
0: yeah, so. Steve Green has a good kid's album, it's full of scripture. Really? Uh, it's called Hide Him in Your Heart. And a lot of it is just, just Bible verses that he's set to music. Uh, and you know, in a former period of my life, I I thought of myself as a musician, uh, and so like musical arrangement is still an important piece of that. And his like he's a really talented musician, and he brings in good music mm-hmm. uh, for for the kids. It's a little dated, but uh, it's it's scripture, and it's it's really catchy. I've often found myself driving in the car, like just kind of humming along with the music, and then I realized, oh my goodness, the kids aren't even in the car. <laughs> Um, yeah. So there's, yeah, I, I'd say go, go to the scriptures. Donald Whitney's book is phenomenal catechids uh, or new city catechism for the younger ones, or uh, just as another example. Um, and then the the last thing I would say about it, Joel, is you've got to know as a parent, you've got to know your own schedule. you got to know the rhythms that, that you're in. And so, I don't think you need to feel. I don't think you need to feel like you have to conform to like my particular pattern or your your pattern. There's a lot of flexibility in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say the important piece is the intentionality, and that's where a lot of the hard work comes in. How are you going to be intentional about this uh, with with your family, especially if you're in you know a, a harder rhythm where maybe. One spouse is traveling more; that that Mm. make this really difficult, or uh, a situation where one of the you know maybe uh, mom or dad is not a follower of Christ. That's that can add some uh, significant tension in this. And I just want to acknowledge that.
2: Mm.
0: And if you're in that situation, uh, just continue to persevere in in this work of family worship. it is a good, rewarding work that that you are doing, and uh yeah continue to engage your spouse and maybe why you feel like this is an important thing uh for for your kids and the indoctrination question you brought it up, you know are we indoctrinating our our kids yes, yeah <laughs> uh, someone someone will indoctrinate our kids it's, that's right I think for my kids, I think it should be Courtney and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because someone is going to do that someone is there will be a worldview shaping conversations and activities that our kids are involved in and i'm not you know that that indoctrination word it doesn't scare me that's that i think that's what we should be doing
1: love it that's good man um real quick before we close out here uh what's going on with church this sunday um Give us the inside scoop, man. If somebody wants to remotely attend church, which is what we're all doing now, how can, where do they go to to virtually attend Park Forest Glen?
0: Yeah, so uh, easiest ways to get updates, join the Forest Glen Facebook group, mm-hmm. or you can subscribe to my uh, my blog. All of the updates are being put directly on my blog. Uh, and that's, uh, it's the the pastor's blog. Uh, Dan Osborne, uh, WordPress.com, and you can see that you know on on our website or on our uh, Facebook page. But uh, it's all going to be on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, our channel is called Park Forest Glen, Park Forest Glen, and you'll see next week's message up there. Probably starting Saturday night is when you'll first see the message. And this week it will be one video one video. We were a little sneaky this week, Joel. We made it as a playlist. Uh, And I'll tell you one of the benefits of doing it as a playlist where it played through individual videos, the service, is we could see like, okay, when did people check out? (laughs) Yep, yep, I noticed that too, yeah. So the the message the first co- song got about 300 views mm-hmm. the last song the closing got about 80 views so <laughs> <laughs> th- there may have been some technical difficulties i know i know folks had trouble finding the playlist at first mm-hmm. but uh yeah so but this week we're going to see we're going to have uh one continuous video should be very very easy for people to find
1: awesome awesome great well, um, if you enjoyed this, obviously, go check out Dan's blog. Check out parkcommunity.church slash forest glen for the – or you can just um, navigate your way around the, the park. Website. It's pretty intuitive. To connect with the Think Institute, simply go to thethink.institute and subscribe while you're there to the Think Podcast. You can go to thethink.institute slash podcast. Follow us on social media. We are on eh, many of the networks, not all of them. Facebook and Instagram. We're at the think institute. On Twitter, we are at think inst and I am taking some time off of Twitter for Lent. No, I'm not Catholic, but I'm doing it for my own mental and spiritual health. And but I am engaging on social media as the, uh, through the Think Institute accounts. Also, if you've been living under a rock the last month and you don't know about our book giveaway, we are going to be giving away the very fine book called "Myth and Meaning: Meaning, Myth and Meaning in Jordan Peterson, a Christian Perspective." It's edited by Ron Dart, and it's got a number of contributors in there. Sooner or later, I'm going to get um, contributors from that book onto the Think Podcast. But in the meantime, you need a copy of this book. So how do you get yourself a copy? Uh, Well, you could go to Amazon, certainly. Or you could enter in our book giveaway drawing, which is going to be taking place at the end of this month. Simply leave us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to be entered into that giveaway Dan thanks for being patient through that long rambling closing <laughs> um, it's dude it's always a pleasure I'm glad we get to hang out virtually even though we can't yeah. do it in person um, as yeah. soon as this whole coronavirus thing is over um, let's head over to Phenom or uh, or your favorite place over there in uh, off of Elston or, or Irving there and got we'll it uh, grab got some it. coffee
0: awesome thanks All man bro. thanks for having me
1: thank you thank you Alright, that's all we have. Until next time, I hope it made you think.